lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. All right, welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Jurdich. All right, let's finish off that conversation in Lamentations. I'm ready for it. You ready? Yeah. All right, here it goes. I read this in a commentary on that, that verse I read from uh, 42 in chapter 3, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. It said that let us uh, lift up our hearts with our hands is uh, the antidote to hypocrisy. You know, when you're like saying, uh, when it says let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of submission in a sense and worship that that is the antidote to the hypocrisy that we're, we've been living in. Because at that moment, we face to face with the creator right. of like, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. This is what I've become. Um, and this is, this is what needs to change. I, I did like you brought up the enemies. Um, and, and I read this and I thought this was super cool. Uh, and so I had to go back to some of my notes to find it. Uh, but I think a lot of time we get stuck on enemies of like who they are, of, of more of like people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I read this, or I may have heard it from another pastor, and I thought it was just a really cool way to look at enemies. I think it was uh, the enemies aren't our financial situations, our wife, our coworkers, the people around us, but our enemies are Satan, temptation, death, and sin. Mm-hmm. And those are the four real enemies that we face as people. And here you could see that those enemies that they're talking about have come and now are doing this. Uh, it may be, yes, the Babylonians or the nations around them, but it's really Lamentations is defined by uh, an enemy, Satan, coming in and, and doing what he does, uh, sin all around it. The Jerusalem became what it is because of sin, the temptation that they gave in to doing it, and then death. The death is what's one of their consequences um, for their actions. And those are our enemies, but we always get distracted and think it's something else or it's going somewhere else with it. Uh, but when we really understand who the enemies are, I think that's where real repentance comes in. Because I know where I'm getting attacked at. I know who's attacking me. I know who's lying to me. Most of the time, it's myself. Yeah. And then the other times, it's the enemy. Uh, but most of the time, it's me. That won't be that bad. And I think we brought it up a while ago. Maybe it was the Zephaniah one where it was like, oh, just one more time. Mm-hmm. It won't hurt. Who are you hurting? And that's the lifestyle that leads to eventually the destruction that's faced here. Uh, D.A. Carson said this, and I liked it. It said, God is less interested in answering our questions uh, than in other things, securing our allegiance, establishing our faith, uh, nurturing a desire for holiness. And that's what God wants uh, from us. He wants those things. And sometimes it leaves the question of, how did I get here? Well, you kind of know that already, so he's not going to answer that. What he's going to then tell you is, well, I need your faith. I need your holiness, and it's going to change that way. Do you have anything else on this? Because I want to jump into the hope of the book. Um, just on that thing of, of what repentance is, right? Repentance isn't just, I'm sorry. There's a meme that I saw a long time ago that the best apology has changed behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, the other meme, as you were talking, that talked about when you're just like, yeah, a lot of times the, the enemy to myself. Remember that meme I sent you? Where yeah, yeah, the surfboard. Yeah, yeah. Satan on a surfboard. <laughs> he goes, nah, bub, I'm on vacation. Yeah. That one was all you. It's all you, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
really looking at repentance relationally when you look at it, when you really care about the relationship, when it's not about the fact that I got caught, when it's not about whatever punishment may be coming my way or that I want to get out of or whatever it is or, oh no, I'm in trouble. When you're looking at it as centered on relationship, repentance puts you into the situation of restoring this relationship is so important to me, knowing that I have damaged this and just stopping what I've done to damage it is a requirement of repentance and in restoring this relationship. So duh, obviously you need to stop digging the hole, but how do you go about actually correcting and healing the thing that happened? And it really comes from that point of how you were saying your, your heart and your hands, you throw them up and just, God, what can I do? Mm -hmm. I've been walking in this direction. What can I do to make it right? And for me, what I always tell my, my students is like, it's not just stopping the negative, it's starting the positive. Like, were you a thief? Go pay back what you stole. That's what repentance is. You've caused wickedness and evilness in the world, and now you're going and covering that with love, right? You're removing the wickedness out that you had caused, and you're putting what should be there in its place. Because say you're a thief and you stole and you go back, not only are you replacing the money and the item and just like on the economic level. And maybe the person didn't know that they had even gotten stolen from, right? It probably came down on a light item somewhere. But you are then going and putting the gospel into action to another human being mm -hmm. to where like all those things that we see on the internet are like, oh, you restored my hope in humanity. It's like that person, something just happened to them that never happens to them. Somebody came in and said like, hey, I'm really sorry. I did a thing. I feel horrible about it. I need to pay you back. Here's this. Here's what that was. But my main concern is making things right. Is there anything else I can do as well? And maybe you don't even ask that question. You come with an extra 20% on whatever it is that you're giving them and saying, hey, you know what? Here's how I'm going to make this thing right. And um, is it Zacchaeus? Oh, I was just thinking about that. It's, it's like you read my mind. Zacchaeus or Matthew, one of those filthy tax collectors? I'm sure that Matthew corrected himself, but Zacchaeus, he went out and he was like, nah, man, I, I'm paying yeah. it all back and I'm going overboard even. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really, everything that I cheated people out of. I'm and, it, and it didn't come from like Jesus saying, go do this. It was just like the encounter with Jesus. Like it changed something where he went out and did it. Yeah, like it wasn't like, this is what you should do next to correct this action or conduct in your life. It was, oh no, I've just encountered the Savior. I need to go back and wrong the rights because I felt you that. You need to write the wrongs. Yeah, write the wrongs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to go wrong those rights. You got to go wrong all the rights. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that when you were talking about it, that's literally what popped into my head uh, was, what I don't know which one it is off the top of my head. I is. Yeah. I'm pretty, wait, see the little guy up in the tree? Yep. Yeah, I think that was him. They went to dinner. Yeah. And at dinner, he was like, hey, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it was just through the teaching of what Jesus was being, what was being said at that dinner, changed his heart enough to say, like, I've got to right the wrongs, not wrong the rights. And so I think that that's a lead into the hope that's here, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, Zacchaeus, with the life that he was living, he was a cheat and a thief and breaking God's laws and everything. He was opposed to God. He was opposed to what Jesus came to bring, and he interacted with it, and the hope that was there transformed him to go out and become a different person. 
And it's the same thing here in the midst of all of this lamentation book to where it's like, this is like first person account of like, yeah. this is just bad news all the way through, but not all the way through because there's the hope. So lead us into that. All right. So chapter three, verse 17 through 26, I'm going to actually read a little bit more of what most people would go to, but it says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped for from the Lord. I remember my afflictions and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to those who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And there is just so much in this verse. I mean, I'll get into it more. But like as Jeremiah is going through all this and he's like, oh, I remember this. I remember that. But yet I call this to mind. And I wonder if as he's writing this, he's actually calling to mind the things he's talking about, the hope, God's great love and everything. In the midst of that, where he says they are new every morning, it's almost like he just shouts out, great is your faithfulness. Like if you're reading it, it doesn't actually fit in the sentence context. It's just like a, a commentary to what he just said. Right, yeah, I get you. It, so it's just so beautiful. But uh, to me, I kind of looked at this. This is where if I was like, hey, going to teach from the book of Lamentations, I would hit here. I would preface all the other historical stuff and then hit here because uh, this is kind of what to do when you're in the thick of it. And not meaning in the thick of it of, like we said earlier, suffering for the sake of the gospel, but suffering for the sake of stupid. Um, the first thing would be change what you're thinking about. Uh, Jeremiah went from thinking about the situation to thinking about God. He went from being downcast or depressed to having hope by not forgetting what he was going through uh, or pretending that it never happened, uh, but by thinking on God and what he offers, and that's hope. Uh, that at any moment, I, and I like that part too, that uh, they're new every morning. At any moment, we can turn back to God. I was also thinking while you were talking earlier about the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and the prodigal son is almost the story of Lamentations, in a sense. It's a son who uh, tells his dad, I want my inheritance now, and he gives it to him. He goes out and lives however he wants, and then he spends all his money, and it's all gone, and then he's like wallowing in a pig's pen, eating pig food, uh, and thinking like, oh, man, this is a horrible life. And it wasn't until that dawned that he was like, I got to go back to the Father. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, he gets up and goes back. And, and I think uh, as a Christian, that's what we need to start doing when we're in the, the thick of it because of what I've done um, is we got to change what we're thinking about. We got to change where our mind is and, and throw it on God. Uh, Warren Wearsby says, uh, the little word but indicates a transition from fear to faith, from questioning to claiming God's promises. And a lot of times you see that throughout Scripture, but God, but God, but God. And it's really putting our mind back on Him and what He offers. He offers real hope, uh, something that's substantial and not something that's going to fade away. Uh, then it's remember who God is. Wait, hold on. You want to see? Okay. Yeah, just um, looking at... The prodigal son, mm-hmm. um, here in the in the message when he's 
Jeremiah's talking about it, says, I remember it all. How Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. Mm. Right? And I think that that's the thing to where just the relativeness of this, right? Because lamentations, yes, to my knowledge, no one in America, even when I'm talking about like the sins of America and everything, like there's no Babylonians coming in and just raping and murdering yeah. and fa- like fam like that's not happening but when we look at what hitting the bottom is me hitting the bottom is me hitting the bottom for me mm-hmm. prodigal son hitting his bottom is hitting the bottom this nation hitting the bottom is hitting the bottom right so that's where you bringing that up because there's a lot of different ways that we've talked about this and you know just trying to make it relative um actually i'll, I'll save reading the the hopeful part for the message after you go through Okay. Your yeah. points, because yeah. I, I really like how it talks about it, and then it will kind of take it to a different place. All right. So the second thing is remember who God is. Uh, he is love, and I, I love that, uh, the great love, and uh, it's the idea of loyal love. And I didn't know that until I actually studied it, uh, that when Jeremiah is writing the great love of God is that it's loyal love, and that he, his love is the reason why they weren't consumed. They weren't completely consumed uh, because of God's great love. People make fun of the message translation for not being a real translation, but verse 22 in the message says God's loyal love couldn't have run out. Ah, there you go. Yeah. See, you wouldn't have even <laughs> yeah, needed to study need if you could just study. read the message. If I just read the message. And um, it's why we aren't consumed. Mm-hmm. And it's why that person we don't like isn't consumed. And it's why that person who we think is evil isn't consumed, or even worse, uh, why they aren't consumed, because of God's great love. Uh, the fact that there is always salvation, and even how it ends, that you wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, that God's salvation is always available to everyone, no matter how good or bad they are, um, at any moment if they turn to Him. And that's His great loyal love. Uh, so the other thing is He's compassionate. He never fails. These, these are all just little things from this verse about Jeremiah describing who God is. Uh, he never fails. He's faithful. I already talked about that one. He's good and that he is our only way for salvation. And then the last thing I got for it is that uh, we wait. And in times of suffering and despair, we wait on God, even when the way forward is unclear. And that's where you see, he says, what is it? I will wait for him. And then at the end, it is good to wait. Because at the end of the day, yeah, maybe your sin took you to an area where you lost your, your wife, your family, your job, or something drastic, even something big and crazy uh, because of something you did. But if you turn back to God and allow Him to kind of get in the situation and wait, He, he always makes, makes a way out of it for us. There's always a way of hope. Even when you look at this, they went into Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah, I think, was like saying, it's 70 years. For 70 years, we're going to be here. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when that 70 years hit, here came in the other army, they, they did the thing, and then it was like, oh, yeah, you guys could go home and rebuild the city and the temple. And then we have Ezra and Nehemiah and even some of what we read in Haggai uh, of them going back. The, the punishment ended. Seventy years is what was told to them. And then after 70 years, they went back home, and they had to wait 70 years uh, for God to do that. And I think waiting for God is a key ingredient to it all. Yeah, waiting and again, for me, that goes back into that repentance and the relationship mm-hmm. thing. Um, I can say it. I've been, what's the word, can come with like entitlement? Because mm. like, well, I know your character and like, mm-hmm. I know how this is supposed to go and all this stuff. And just like, there have been times where I've definitely come with that to where it's not been like, okay, God, whatever you say. It's been more like, cool, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. I'm repenting now, which means things should be good. 
<laughs> like whatever yeah. like I was facing or whatever like you're gonna make that good now because I'm here you're welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like no the waiting when that comes in as part of the relationship towards like okay I'm gonna trust you but whatever you're doing I'm just grateful to be where I am now <laughs> I-, I was thinking about uh David and I think it was when he did the census all the people or counted the army or whatever it was and like God was not happy yeah. about it yeah and so there was like three punishments that were going to come because of it. And he picked one, and, and I can't remember completely, but his response was, uh, I'd rather, I think it was like, your enemies will come against you and then some other stuff. But he was like, I'd rather leave what happens in the hands of God because I, I feel like that's the best place for it. you know. And then it's like, okay, where God's punishment comes in, um, it's better to be in that because through the end of it, there is going to be a restoration if we allow it to go that route in our lives. Yeah. Looking at between punishment and discipline and correction, Mm -hmm. the severity of those things and what all of that looks like is definitely a lot up to, again, the relationship and where we're at with it. Like if I'm just headstrong against God, it's at the point of punishment. Mm -hmm. If I've come back and I've got humility and I'm like submitting to it, then it's in the mode of like, okay, well, this is discipline and correction. You need Mm -hmm. to go through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which I think that does have an end. All of it would have an end, but I think that when you submit into it, then the end is that better thing, right? And that's where you get in the verse where God can work all things towards good. Yeah. But for those who are actually called according to his purpose and who live out the way, you yeah. know, like if, you, if you're not going with his purposes, then like, yeah, punishment is just, it's going to end badly. Mm-hmm. Um, What else you got? That's it. So for me looking at, that and just on the hope i really liked whenever i was running i would come to this point and just the way that it it words it all in the message so just like you read a chunk i'm gonna read a little chunk god's loyal love couldn't have run out his merciful love couldn't have dried up they're created new every morning how great your faithfulness i'm sticking with god i say it over and over he's all i've got left God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer, don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble, take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and in throwing roadblocks in the way. And then skipping down a couple verses, who do you think spoke and it happened? It's the master who gives such orders. Doesn't the high God speak everything, good things and hard things alike, into being? And why would anyone gifted with life complain when punished for sin? Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Let's lift our hearts and hands at one and the same time, praying to God in heaven. We've been contrary and willful, and you haven't forgiven. And it goes on. But just looking at that is that, yeah, God doesn't take pleasure in making it harder. He's good. We can come to him. His loyal love couldn't have run out. 
And I think that that's another one of those lies is that, well, no, you've gone too far now. You're unforgivable. There's, you know, like all of those things, mm-hmm. but to just know about God's character is like his love can't run out. Yeah. His desire is restoration all the time, right? So to come, but then just the instruction that was given there, like, hey, go just diligently seek. Just keep going over and over. Go seek God. Go bow down before him. You don't need to ask questions. Just wait for his help to come. Mm-hmm. If you're young and you're going through some hard stuff, like, that's okay. Just, you know, bear it out and go through. I was talking about the worst is never really the worst. Like, oh, man, like, I can't go through what God's doing. It's like, well, if he's using that to perfect you and to bring things right, it's like, it could get worse. Like, just Mm -hmm. bow down to whatever the punishment, whatever the correction is. Trust me, that's not the worst. God's doing a good thing there. Um, I heard you make a little noise when said, uh, if he works severely, he also works tenderly. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. You're just like, man, this judgment is so great on this side. It's like, well, his love is even greater. And to really keep that in mind, like it's not his desire that we would remain in this bad spot forever. So just look at like, you know, what restoration looks like. One of those last things that I read is that why would anyone gifted with life complain when punished for sin? It kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah, mine is, uh, why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Yeah. Uh, I really liked, uh, you had said the waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I, that's something I even brought up at the end, was the waiting on God. Um, the book kind of ends with open-ended. Like, mm-hmm. there's no talk about what's happened, no follow-up. It's just like, or maybe we've gone too far from our sins the end it, we were talking about it earlier too those like uh you're talking about like those that trend of tiktok videos where right when it got to the punchline oh, it would yeah. just end and, th- and that's lamentation it's like it just ends uh but the beauty of the book to me is that it it's not shying away from or trying to explain away tragedy it, it's confronting everything as if you were to go through it at that point of like we talked about how did i get here um and it ends with it just leaving you there with, well, now you've just got to wait. I, I don't know what's going to, if I'm if, if I'm putting myself in the place of Jeremiah, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what God is doing or what the future of this great city that was supposed to be the beauty of perfection and the joy of the world. I don't know what's next. I just have to wait for God. And I'm going to put my trust and hope and wait in Him because He's faithful, He's compassionate, and his great love. And I'm going to lean on those things because if I lean on anything else, well, that's how I got myself here to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to wait. And I I really like the way it ends. I never really put the piece of this book together. I never really looked at this book as something that could be like really teachable and applicable to a life because it is a lot of the weeping Jeremiah kind of thing. Uh, at least that was the stigma I gave it in my mind. And, and of course, I knew the verse that we read at the end, like that was the great is thy faithfulness. Like that's the old hymn, right? Yeah, that we would yeah. sing, great is thy faithfulness. You know, that's that song. Uh, morning by morning. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but I never put more stock into what this actually is taking us through. I've sinned. I've bottomed out. What does that look like? Now I have a resource. And I think I even said in the beginning that uh, they would read this uh, to commemorate the fall of the temple in 70 AD, you know, the second bottom out for that Mm -hmm. nation. Uh, But it's 
this is that book for us. When we bottom out, where can we go? Here, because it's going to tackle all of my confusions. It's going to tackle all of my questions. But ultimately, it's going to point me to God. And then it's going to say, just wait. Just wait for him. Because salvation is coming. But I will wait quietly for that salvation. So I really did like going through this book a lot. Me too. I feel like there was a lot that I was getting forward from it on a personal level of understanding Mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to really communicate here and maybe it just wasn't the time for that and you know how that comes out but yeah I've also really enjoyed this book I never I never really paid it too much mind I knew what was in it it's short Mm -hmm. I've kind of gone through it a few times like yeah okay that's there but it really hit differently this time going through it um man there's something you said a little bit ago and I wanted to touch on it Judge Dredd (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're gonna miss on that one yeah so when you're talking about like this book kind of being a resource for people who have bottomed out and i'd see that when we were with chris brown Mm -hmm. and he's talking about man second timothy is really that book for if i've got someone that's in ministry that's kind of Mm -hmm. been going through Mm -hmm. some stuff like here's where i'd take them to so to be able to just kind of know these books and like man somebody's going through it like here's where to take them through because i guess it depends on where you're at because to be going through something and then to just be reading a book that's just like, yeah, see, God allows all this bad stuff to happen. Yeah. Like, it's a horrible thing. But it's like, if you can pull out some of the truths and, you know, be honest with yourself about some of it. And not every time you end up in a bad situation is because of this, because you can look at Job's life and he was a righteous guy that even mm-hmm. brought up offerings for his children in case they might have sinned and he lost everything. So it's like, you can't be heavy handed. In- <laughs> it's got the suffering on too. And that's yeah. the beauty of the Bible. It, it it has a book for the suffering on both ends. Right, but to look at like this for like, nah, you've you've been in your rebellion, you didn't listen to the prophets, like all that thing, and like here's here's where you've bottomed out at. And to be able to read it for that, for me though, really reading through it today and looking at it, and I started off this way of just looking at our country and looking at this book. And looking at even like the 1900s, which were a horrible time, the amount of wickedness and evilness and people killed, like people like to just look at Germany, but it's like, do you know what's happening in Russia? Do you know what's happening over in Japan? Do you know what's happening in some of these other places? And all over the place, Vietnam and Korea and just like and name all of the lists of people and all of the the murderous evil that was going on. And we can see, I mean we're only 23 years into this century. Like we're not far removed from all of that going on and we're not immune from that happening. And my concern for my fellow countrymen here in this nation is that we wouldn't have the same mindset that has been called out so often in the prophets. Like, oh, look at you in your lofty place. You say that no one can be above Mm -hmm. me and no one can get behind me. I'm set up in my place and I'm untouchable and they had all their reasons for believing they were untouchable. And a lot of, I believe, Americans' reasons for believing that they were untouchable is because of the one nation under God and the faith that was here. And we've moved away from that. And when I look at things that have happened all across the globe within the past hundred years, and when I look at God is sovereign over all things, if America is to continue against God, How long will it be before we see levels of distress in this nation like we've never seen? Like the only war that's happened here on our soils when we fought 
won for independence and then we fought ourselves. Mm-hmm. Pride comes before the fall if you think that we're untouchable. And I'm not wanting that. When I'm reading things like this, I'm like, I feel like I need to go out like a Jeremiah and warn people to the absolute utmost because this is historical fact that this happened to this nation. Right? We, can, we don't need to go this far back in history. That's why I brought up the 1900s. But when you're looking at children fainting in the streets, when you're looking at people eating their children, when you look, it's just like, well, no, we were too civilized to do that here. It's like, wait till it happens. Like, what happens when the power goes out and you're three days without food and absolute pandemonium breaks out, right? Like, we, see, we saw what some protests turned riots can happen. Just a little glimpse and like that. That was a tiny glimpse towards what evil is going to happen. And when I read this book and the realities of like, this is what happens when a nation doesn't listen. I'm taking that lesson to heart. And as a pastor, and as even if I wasn't a pastor, I was just a believer. It's like, I feel such a big conviction to go out and do everything possible that the people that I know around me and the people I don't know around me don't end up going through anything like this. I felt like that was a really long way of saying whatever I was trying to say, <laughs> but like it really is my so many thoughts coming in with yeah. all of this that when I look at it, it's like, this is a reality that can happen. How does somebody end up in this reality? They go against God. They don't listen to the warning signs. And when we've looked at the other prophets, they're like, hey, warning signs are kind of like some of the famine stuff going on. Some of the, you know, you got the food, you got the war, you got the earthquakes, you got the this, you got the that, you got the weather, you got any of those things. Like we're feeling the tremors of some of those right now in this country i'd rather listen now because like i said in this book the worst isn't the worst like it can get worse than right now Mm -hmm. like wow we need to turn yeah i I think coming from the end of like this is from the forgotten books the last book where we touch on a minor prophet or one of these prophet books um the next one that we get into will be titus so that's more of a Paul letter to a person type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you touch into like these these minor prophets, it is very hard not to make the parallel comparison of warning, 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 and not looking around and being like, oof, yeah, that's a lot of what's going on here. I could see that happening here in some comparison way. Uh, and it's very close to home. Um, and it is scary because, yeah, God's judgment and his... The hand only gets held back for so long right. before it's like, all right, here, here's where we have to go. And, and I look at these books, too, as times of, like, as a personal Christian, like, what could I do? Like you said, as a pastor, go out and, and do the job, right? Like, preach and teach and help people change from kind of where they're individually headed path. And I, and I, I think the same thing. I, I would never want any of this to happen to any of buddy in the world because God's full judgment of punishment to the point of an, a death in eternity without him it should not make me happy that that happens to someone. It should break my heart to the point where I need to go out and make sure that doesn't happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. So what's my goal? What's my job? What's my mission? And if I'm looking at my own nation and seeing like, man, there's a lot that's bad that's going on. How, what could I do? Uh, I need to go out there and make a difference to the people around me. I need to be, in a sense, a Jeremiah or an Amos or a Haggai or a Habakkuk or a Nahum. All of the prophets that we kind of went through, Zephaniah, and say like, hey, this is what's happening, and this is what God offers you. 
salvation. Uh, but you have to come over here. We have to, in a sense, I have to learn to be the joy of the world, a place where people could come and feel the freedom from the burden of life that we live in. And, and that's what I really have liked through the study. It's kind of opened my eyes to some of these things, to some of these constant like warnings that are coming through and then being like, hey, but it's finally happened. I, I, we read so many times of like, Edom's going to get what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. And then we read, Edom got what, what was coming to them, and they are no more. Um, so it's, it's, it's scary in that sense as a, as a person to read that, know it, and then to ignore it and just not do anything with what we've kind of gone through here with, with everything. So uh, I've really enjoyed, like I said earlier, Lamentations. And I think really for me, this book hit more home because I've hit rock bottom. I've hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. And now that I've turned and I've come back and I'm like reading it from that lens, oh, I get everything yeah. Jeremiah is writing about and what, it's, what he's saying and, and what's going through. So uh, I think reading Lamentations before that was just like, ah, oh, it's just another book about weeping and mourning. But now being on the flip side of that, it, it hits differently. Which two things about bottom is, again, when I look at the nation level of things, is people say, well, we're not that bad. And again, you mm-hmm. can do, play the whole comparison game. I would rather us bottom out here. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people are like, I've never seen this country like this. Like this mm-hmm. is, we're on the downward. I was like, then let's bottom out here. Yeah, I don't want to see, yeah. like, you know, nothing says that we need to get as bad as anything else. You know, yeah. just, no one says we need to eat our kids. Like, let this be the bottom out. As we said earlier, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. Like, this can be the bottom out. It was like, man, remember leading into the beginning of the 2000s, like how crazy bad that was going? And then it went in a different direction. And how many people during the times of like horrible kings yep. in the history of Israel and Judah were like, man, it's never been worse. They're worshiping Baal. They're worshiping the, they're going to the Asherah poles and they're doing all this. Uh, and those were opportunities to say, like, yeah, that was the bottom out. And how many people were saying it's never been worse, and they right. also went to the Asherah pole. Mm-hmm. So when saying, hey, for what can we be doing as Christians? It's just like, we need to be, you said it earlier, it's like, we can point all around, but like, am I being the church that needs to be being? So it's just like, am I taking Jeremiah's thing? Am I crying out day and night, you know, going to God and those things? So having that. Um, but the other thing as far as bottoming out and just the thing of waiting and how you said it was really open-ended, I've shared this before on the podcast, is that when I really bottomed out, just really bottomed out to a spot to where I was like, I, there is no forgiveness for me for where I'm at. I was convinced of that, but I was looking at my life and went, I do believe that God is real. I believe that he's the true God, and I believe that he's the one in control of everything. I think that what got me, and this is kind of what you're talking about, is like, I believe that what got me here was following my own way and following after the ways of the world and everything that I went into and being rebellious. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I was at the mindset at the time of, this is how low that I was, is just like, I don't expect God to forgive me or for him to let me into heaven when everything's said and done. But I'm going to follow him with my life to the best that I can anyways, Mm -hmm. because that's the only thing I can and should do. I can either say, screw it all if I'm going to hell and just lean fully into it. It's like, but that's not right. I know that that's evil. I'm going to stop with the evil stuff. I'm going to point towards God and to the best of my ability. It's just like, if the relationship is fully cut, if I did the unforgivable sins and whatever, and I just fully trampled underfoot the blood of the Son of God and all this stuff, it's just like, 
I can see that I was a crap person. Even after coming to a knowledge, I still did that, but I'm still going to, I'm just going to have to go in this direction because it's the only right thing to do. And that was several years ago. And obviously anybody listening to the podcast knows that I'm a different spot now. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) There was forgiveness there. And that's just my thing of when we're looking at this book being a resource for people that are down low is that I get what it is to be so down that you can understand God's goodness, but still not think that it could apply to you. Just trust me, wait on him. Just do that diligent seeking after. Do what you can to turn away from the wickedness and turn to him. And even if you're so stuck in the lies and the mindset at that point, just keep seeking after him and you'll see that all these promises that don't maybe seem like they could be true to you actually are. But it's in that waiting. And that waiting was a hard spot because it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to have to go in this direction. And, you know, it didn't take too long, <laughs> thankfully, to her, but it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Right. That's all I got. I like this book. Yeah. I like it more than I thought I did. I It's one of my favorites from the series. And I can't elaborate why so well right now. It'll come out later. It'll come out later. All right. I am Chris. I'm Mirda. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amen.